I'm coming to your cities. I recently did an event in New York. It was awesome. I loved bringing real couples up on stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. The crowd loved it. I was sharing real numbers. It was a blast. And I want to do it again. I'm looking to coach couples on stage at my next two live events, one in Philly on June 1st, one in Boston on June 4th. If you and your partner want help connecting over money, you want to solve a big financial challenge you have, please apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. I'm speechless. You paid off $130,000 of credit card debt Mm -hmm. six months ago, and now you have $50,000 of credit card debt just six months later? Yeah. Whoa. We need something that works because nothing's working. Like working through how not to repeat past mistakes because we throw out a plan, but we always seem to get back to where we were because we have, we both have a the goal, like we're we're committed to wanting to build this house and wanting to travel in, in our rich life, but we don't have a common plan to get there. This is a generational issue, I think, on both sides. And now as a mom and as a wife, I'm breaking that. Meet Kevin and Sarah. He's 42, she's 38. They have accumulated $200,000 of debt. Then they sold their house to pay it off. And now they're finding that those old habits are coming right back. I went back to their application when they initially wrote into me. And I found a line that I'd like to share with you. Sarah wrote, Kevin recently told me that if I kept adding debt to my credit card, he would ask for a divorce. My parents got divorced over money. So I'm desperate to figure this out. We're going to talk to Kevin and Sarah today. But one of the biggest lessons of this podcast is that our money decisions are rarely only our own. A lot of us like to imagine that we're rational, logical people. We're pushing our shopping cart down the aisle and we're making a careful cost-benefit analysis before we buy those Ritz crackers. In reality, our parents bought those crackers and they subconsciously taught us that love means buying this exact brand. We learn how to talk about money from the people around us. We learn how to invest it, or if investing is even for people like us. And of course, we learn how to spend from the people around us. And it is very, very hard to shake those generational lessons away. I would encourage you to listen to this episode, and I would invite you to watch it on YouTube. The body language and the facial expressions you'll see at a whole layer of understanding. You can find this episode on YouTube by searching for Ramit Sethi and be sure to follow my channel there. Now let's begin. I'm Ramit Sethi and this is I Will Teach You To Be Rich. We did Dave Ramsey's thing. We tried that. Spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Our own made up. Throwing spaghetti against the wall. I don't know. What am I missing? I mean, we've probably out there. We've probably tried it. And so coming on this show, talk to me for you. What does it represent? Hmm. I'm an emotional person. So there might be tears. Um, Hope is what I hear in all of your podcasts. And so. Hope to do what? 
figure it out. Um, we have very different backgrounds when it comes to money. And we want, I want commonality and tools and uh, um, a way to speak to each other where we can actually hear each other when it comes to money. We tried to talk about money. And like, and I was like researching your site and you're listening to your podcast. I kind of, I'm an all in kind of person. And we started having conversation about money, just trying to communicate because you'll find that that's where we struggle deeply. Um, and we just lost it on each other. So t- talk me through that and, conversation. Do you remember where you both were? Gosh, there've been so many. Um I think I think we were actually probably like I was sitting here mm-hmm. and um he was in the living room and it was something I, I don't remember exactly what it was because like I said there have been so many, but it was it was basically screw this. Like I'm done something's gotta change. Probably what it was was him getting mad at me about what was spent on credit cards. What you spent on credit cards or what mm-hmm. was spent? What what I spent because it's my card. I'd like to hear from you, Kevin. I'd like to hear about that same conversation that the two of you had where you both became really frustrated. What do you remember about that conversation? Um, I think, uh, I think I know what she's referring to. Um, and this comes with accumulations of things that it's a built up of, you know, throughout our marriage, I get short fused. And so in that particular moment, there were the expectation in my head, Hey, we should be at this ceiling. And when we spoke, the ceiling was higher. And therefore I was like, Oh, that means that there's more debt that we have to. Sorry. What does uh, ceiling mean? What What are you referring to? Just in the sense of, I thought that the, uh, debt was at that level, and it turns out to be at the higher level. Right now, we're probably at fifty thousand dollars in in debt of credit card debt. Five zero, five zero. Okay. I want the clean slate every month. So, like you've talked about in your book, like utilizing credit cards as an account versus because you can um, use them for certain things that are very beneficial. And so, I think you do it that way. But if you don't have a plan in place of what you're putting on the cards, then it can get out of control. And so is it out of control for you now? Yeah. I mean, the amount, yes, it is. Okay. Anything else that is or is not out of control? Uh, Lots of things I feel like right now, but tell me. Yes. I mean, just we sold our house. Um, Gosh, we sold our house, what, in uh, May and moved into a rental house um, with the goal of building. It's been, that's been a lifelong dream of mine of building our own house. Um, We had to switch. Gosh, why is this? Sorry, we had to, we've had a really tough year. Um, And so we had to switch our girls' school because they went through a lot of stuff. They're in private school and they went through a lot of stuff at their old private school. So we had to switch schools for them. So I think that out of control is just level of stress and not being, we're very outside of our comfort zones right now. And um, my business is uh, maintaining. Um, And so, but I lost a pretty big account uh, in October and um, that dropped my income in half, um, almost, yeah, almost in half. And, um, and then my, my income for my business has kind of steadily gone down, um, not much, but a a little bit. So it's just, there's just been a lot of stress. Mm. And so, and I don't, I really struggle when I can't control things. So how do you react when you have more and more stress like this? What do you do? Uh, it depends on the level, but. I tend to get depressed and I start withdrawing or I blow up. Hmm. Um, And it's usually blowing up at Kevin. And and this has bluntly put, this has caused an issue in our marriage is where 
professionally uh, has been so heads down that mm -hmm. there are moments, more than moments, that in our marital lives where uh, I didn't see her going through these times until she blew up or until it was verbally told to me. And um, in the meantime, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is, if this is happening, then that, that means I need to double down and buckle in into my work so that we can come out on the better end together. But she's suffering because of that, because she's not getting the support emotionally. Um, so <laughs> this is full transparency here. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It really helps me understand the dynamic here. A few things to note. There's a lot of emotion in their description of money, a lot of history. And I'm going to spend time trying to unravel it. Along the way, I suspect that Kevin and Sarah will get a better understanding of what's really going on because when something like money is covered in emotion, it's easy to lose sight of the real issues. It's like a bad relationship. Everything feels existential. You'll also notice that there are some clues, something about their girls, something about Sarah's dream of building a house, something about Kevin having the best year of his career last year. We're going to get into all that and we'll get into all the numbers but I think it's important for you to know that Kevin and Sarah are high earners. Keep that in mind as we continue on this conversation. I think that money is a foundational struggle for us because we can't sit down and have a non-emotional conversation. Um, or, or it's very rarely that we can do that. Um, is that the dream to have a non-emotional conversation about money? Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you were to have a non-emotional conversation about money, what would that look like? Um, just sitting, just sitting down together over wine or dinner or out to eat or, um, just in the living room and talk, talking about the spending and the things that we've done without um criticism or feeling put down um who feels put down i do okay okay so you'd have conversations without you feeling put down what else feeling as an equal in okay. the conversation um and and having a common goal mm. um and and we do maybe it's more like a common plan Maybe that's a better way of putting it because we have, we both have a, the goal. Like we're, we're committed to wanting to build this house and wanting to travel in, in our rich life, mm -hmm. but um, we don't have a common plan to get there. What has stopped you from making a common plan towards an already common goal? We don't speak the same language. Ah, what language do you speak? Uh, well, we do. We don't. He actually does completely speak a different language. But um, we, I, he speaks numbers, and like it's just very. This is how it is. I mean, a perfect mm -hmm. example is um, he was like, "Can't you just transfer the money over to the credit card?" And it, I don't know why that is very hard for me to do. And he's like, "It's just a button. Click a button." And I'm like, mm -hmm. "It's not that easy." There's a lot of emotion behind it. So he speaks the language of numbers. And what language do you speak? Um, emotion. <laughs> My childhood was very much um, all emotions when it came to finances. My parents divorced over finances. Like there's a lot of baggage. I want to talk about how you were raised. I find yeah. it very interesting that you speak the language of emotions. Yeah. You were raised with emotions, but you told me that your number one goal is to have a non-emotional conversation about money. Yeah, because I don't want to cry through every conversation or avoid or yell at each other. I want a, maybe it's non-emotional, it's positive emotion. Ah, I want to that's be different, right? Excited. Yeah. 
Because can I just say, I don't think there's anything wrong with having emotions about money. Everybody does. Even Kevin, who's Mr. Numbers. I bet you he has emotions. Give me five minutes, I'll find him. Everybody has them. And I think sometimes we're raised with this idea that deep down emotions are weakness. But they're not. They're just human. So can we reshape your goal? You said first that you want to have a non-emotional conversation about money. I think that would be really boring. What would you like to do instead? I want to have a conversation that is is positive and is forward thinking and is um, ex- exciting to sit down and talk. Look what our money's doing and we're going and look what we're going to be able to do. It's just so exciting. All right, I can get behind that, Kevin. Are you are you down for that? I'm writing it down. Okay, okay, love it. Okay, good. Okay, and when you two got married, how long ago was that? Uh, four, we, yeah, we just celebrated 14 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's awesome. 14 years. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. 14 years, three kids. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. A lot of you listening right now beat yourselves up for things that are deeply held parts of your personality. Sarah basically started crying in the first two minutes of our conversation. But four minutes later, she tells me she wants to have a non-emotional conversation about money. That's not going to happen. That would be like me going to a French restaurant and saying, ooh, I'd really love to spend $89 on some poulet that's seasoned with three particles of salt. It's not going to happen. I want some fucking spice on my chicken. I'm not going to a French restaurant and Sarah is not going to have a non-emotional conversation. A better approach is what she finally said. She wants to have a conversation with positive emotions. Maybe she will later say that she wants to become comfortable talking about numbers. I can help with that. But I'm glad we caught this now because if you truly detest something about yourself, if you believe you need to fully extinguish it, it's going to be very hard to actually change. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind the scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, There's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. 
That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Sarah, will you tell me about how you were raised with money? What do you remember about growing up with your parents? What I do remember is there was a lot of turmoil between my parents and my, and especially finances. Um, my parents were raised very differently. Um, and uh, when it came to money and in general, and I one of the biggest things I was thinking about it earlier today was um, my sitting at dinner, going to have gone out to eat. My dad ordered a steak. And so there's four of us. I'm one of four. And my siblings and I were like, oh, well, we want steaks too. Did it. And my mom would either order nothing or soup. And we would find out as I got older, the reason we did that was we couldn't afford it. And instead of arguing with my dad there in the restaurant, she would just let it happen. And there were lots of times my dad bought a car without consulting her. And there were six of us and it was a five-seater. And it was like, and then he'd go and buy TVs and just different things. And it was always, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. And who said that? My mom. Okay. Um, And my dad, my dad worked hard, um, but we grew up on the poor side. He grew up very poor and my mom grew up wealthy. Um, And so it was very two different sides of the track. Can you think of any examples where that difference really manifested itself? Um, I can, I know of the, some that my mom told me about um, and that it like we would be, they would not be able to pay the light bill. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad would say, just go ask your parents for it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And And your mom told you that story, not your dad. My mom told me that story. Yes. And did they separate your parents? Mm-hmm. When I was Why? 16. Why then? Mm-hmm. Money and other things. I see. Mm-hmm. And who was the one who initiated the separation? I think my mom. Okay. Okay. Looking back now as an adult, as a mother, looking back on how you were raised as it relates to money, what are the things that you take away? That my mom was just trying to survive was a big one. Um, That um, that I know my dad had a lot of struggles as a child as well that he was never able to work through. And it really was a problem. This is a generational issue, I think, on both sides. And now as a mom and as a wife, and I'm I'm not, I'm breaking that. And I don't want my children, and we have three girls. um, And so I don't want them to, to grow up in their life and not know what I didn't know. I don't want them to be in these same positions to risk their marriages because they can't budget well or whatever. Um, I I don't want to end up like that. And do I don't th- want us to end up like that. Do you think you are destined to end up like that? If we keep going the way we're going, yes. That helps me understand a lot. Thank you. Kevin, what about you? How were you raised with money? My uh, dad worked a lot. My last fan that I seen, uh, he managed the money. My uh, my mom stayed at home. Um, once my dad's career really took off, she didn't need to be a teacher anymore, and so she stayed at home. So that's what I remember for most of my life. What did you learn uh, about money when now that you look back as an adult? What are your takeaways? Well, this is where it's a little um, through, throughout my life, I'd, I've never been educated about money. I saw it. I was around it, but wasn't educated about it. Um, so I didn't grow up in this country. I grew up uh, abroad. 
And um, with that, there's some cultural differences, differences, right? Um, but I didn't have an indication about money. I just knew my dad took care of it. Sarah, you reached out because of a series of conversations. Describe it for me. What is the situation? It sounds like you have together $50,000 worth of debt. What would you say in a sentence or two seems to be the problem that keeps coming up for both of you? Lack of communication mm -hmm. and, and connection. I think that we have to find even more commonality in what we want for our money. We've got to come together on that roadmap. And Let me ask you a question about yourself. You mm -hmm. specifically, what behaviors do you think you need to change in order to break that generational <clears throat> um, curse? I think, well, one of the big ones is impulse. Mm -hmm. I impulse purchase. Mm -hmm. And usually out of emotion. Um, or feeling what like else? I deserve it. Um, I think some of the things that I tell myself about money, um, um, and I think probably just, yeah, I would say a lot of it's the impulses, the, and the, um, the way I speak about it, the way I talk about it, and the way I think about it. Mm -hmm. Be sure to watch her facial expressions on that last exchange. They are very revealing. This $50,000 of credit card debt, whose credit card is that on? Mostly mine. All right, so you have uh, a joint checking, uh, yes. joint investment. Is that joint? It is. Okay. Um, cool. And then we each have, uh, four, uh, he has a 401k and I have a Roth. Great. All right. You have separate credit cards. Yeah. So I'm just curious about like the bills, the day-to-day -day bills getting paid. For example, your rent, yep. uh, eating out. Like how does that decision get made about who pays for what? Um, the rent, the like to live our life under our roof, rent, uh, utilities, all that kind of stuff. I set it up. I put it on my card, um, except for the rent. It went, it has to come out of the checking account. So um, it's on the joint checking account. Okay. Um, but anything that was going on could go on a card. I just put it on the credit card. Your um, credit card? Mm -hmm. Okay. And All then right. um, when it's eating out, it is, I mean, a lot of us for eating out is convenience because we're pretty busy. Um, and so it's, if we're all together, typically it's on his card. If it's me with the kids, it's fine. If I'm ordering, it's fine. Okay. If it's through an app, it's probably fine. So it's just like whoever is basically doing the thing is mm -hmm. pulling out their credit card. Okay. Yeah. Does this cause any problems for you? Quite a bit. Oh, it's. I was like, this is yeah. kind of a weird setup, but you both seem very calm about it. I'm like, is there any issue here? And then I go, is this a problem? And both of you are nodding furiously. Yeah. Okay, so what's the problem? Break it down. What happened uh, the last time y'all argued about this? So if if I think uh, one way to um, to to add to the context is when we sold our house, we were able to be debt free. This, we sold the house. We're like X debt credit card, no more. That's it. Blah blah blah. And then we reintroduced it, and there it goes again. Bad behaviors, mm. where there's no plan set, where we actually could get back to um, zero. Mm -hmm. And for 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 a minute, we did it. But then there are some things that occur. Pull the trigger here, pull the trigger there, and next thing you know, it's the snowball. And and here you are reaccumulating uh debt. Okay. Let me ask a few questions about the the pattern that you seem to be in. How much did you sell your house for? A million fifty. Okay. And how much did you take home after the sale? It's like three was it three sixty nine or three ninety six? Yeah, so somewhere right. on there. 
All right. I have 375 in my head, but let's say 375. And did that include all fees that you had to pay, transaction mm-hmm. fees, all that? Yeah. What about taxes? So, yeah, it, that's what we walked away with. Okay. Walked away with including paying taxes, et cetera, on anything that you owed. Yeah. Minus 500 bucks that we had to pay for HOA. But okay, yes. great. So 375. And how much credit card debt did you have at that time? One hundred and thirty thousand. Credit card debt. Uh, yeah. Okay. Was it? It was. Yep. One hundred thirty. And was there any other type of debt at that time? Uh, student loans, cars. Cars multiple. Yes. Okay. And student loans. Whose student loans? Mine. Okay. All right. So you had how much was it? One hundred and thirty. Mm-hmm. All right. So you were able to pay all that off, and you yep. still had a couple hundred thousand bucks. Yes. Awesome. All right, great. So did you, was it kind of like a big thing in your household? Like, all right, we're paying off this debt. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What'd that feel like? Amazing. Yeah, it did. That's cool. Was it the first time that you were debt-free in your marriage? Uh, Credit card debt, mostly. Yes. Yes. I think it was completely. I all don't right. know if we've ever been completely, we haven't been completely debt-free. Did you take the money from the house and pay off all the student loans as well? Um, no, because uh, we were the the goal was to take the additional. We we sat down and we decided we were going to pay off the credit card debt, mm-hmm. and then the additional amount that we had left over, we were going to invest some of it, save some of it to have cash available for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then um, utilize that for a down payment on land. Okay. So we didn't pay everything off. No. Okay. Uh, that student loan that you had, which mm-hmm. you did not pay off, how much was it at the time? Um, right around thirty thousand. Okay. What was the interest rate? Do you remember? It's nothing, right? I mean, it's low. It's zero, zero right now. I mean, okay. But back the, then, this was six months ago. Oh, what? Yeah. Hold on. Let me get this straight. What the hell? I didn't know about these timelines. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, I'm speechless. Yeah. You paid off $130,000 of credit card debt mm-hmm. six months ago. And now you have $50,000 of credit card debt just six months later. Yeah. Whoa. So what happened? Um, Life. Wait, okay, this isn't this is like if this was five years, I would be like, all right, yeah, life happens. But six months, we could yeah. figure this out in like 25 seconds. Let's just do it right now. Okay, life happens. All right, life not that much life happens in six months. So let's break it down. What vacations did you take in the last six months? Um, well, we paid for a cruise that we have coming up. Um uh, how much is that? Ballpark. Seven thousand, I think. What do you think? What number do you think I would pick to write down here? Four How much is your cruise going to cost? Your, you said 7000 uh, What do I, I was, think the real number is? Uh, eight? No. 8500 Higher. Kevin? Um, 11 11 Okay. So let's say 11000 What else do you spend money on the last six months? Uh, business stuff. This is, um, the, that credit card debt is including the business cards. Uh, okay. Um, how much did you spend on the business? I think it's 15. Okay. 15 on business. You spent that on a credit card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what else? Eating out. You mentioned eating out. That's a big one. How much? Us. Uh, three to 4,000 a month. Four, let's say 4000 a month. Um, what else did you spend money on the last six months? Yeah, I had surgery in July. Okay. Um, and so a big cost was um, uh, post-care. Okay. How much was that? I was spending, I think, almost $1,000 a month. For six months? To, for five. For five wow. months. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you doing all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to yeah. hear. Okay. Anything else? Uh, Christmas. How much? Um, I don't know. 
like 100, 10,000. What are we talking about? Um, 4,000. All right. Anything else? Clothes you mentioned, Sarah? Clothes. This is actually the first time we've had to buy like a large amount of clothes because our mm-hmm. girls were in uniforms before and the school had like a hand-me-down thing. Mm-hmm. So in August, we spent, I don't know, maybe 2000 on clothes for all three of the girls. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what other... I've had some trips with my like business. What? The one in September was about 2000 mm-hmm. uh cabo was my flight which i spent quite a bit on my flight how much 3500 okay what else um and what else august september october just little coaching oh yeah business coaching uh how much was that it was seventeen hundred a month for six months, and then now it's nine hundred a month for six months. Let's just say a thousand a month, just for easy math. Mm-hmm. So that would be six thousand. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. All right. All right. So, if we add up all those numbers, what do you think we get? A lot. Any idea? Just take a guess. Thirty. Okay. 35. 30. Well, which one is it? 30. Okay. 35 sounds a lot of the larger numbers. <laughs> Let me finish calculating these. 72,500 dollars in the last six months. What do you think about that number? Wow, that's uh, unexpected. All right, I need to lay down the fucking law here for a few different items. Can you see that affirmations board behind Sarah? They just spent $72,000 in six months putting them back into credit card debt, but she has these Etsy affirmations behind her, these posters. Here's what they say. This year will be different. I have genius inside of me. I have something the world needs. It's like affirmations are nice, but sometimes you need to look at the fucking numbers. Notice the details. Remember how I always say the best predictor of your future behavior is your current behavior. And people get mad at me. Oh, Ramit, that's not true. I can change. Everybody can change. Well, maybe, but it's hard. You'll also notice that Sarah is using the innocent dough technique to evade actually acknowledging what they're spending on. You don't know what the innocent dough technique is? Let me explain. Imagine a wide-eyed Bambi. Me? Little old me? I have no idea what's going on with our money. I don't know. That's the innocent dough technique. And I can tell you because if it was five years of spending, okay, we could figure it out. It would take a while. They ran up 50K of credit card debt in six months. It took us three minutes to figure this out. Some of you have been procrastinating on some money question for 13 years that would take us 15 seconds to find the answer to. You could join my money coaching program. Let's solve it right now. You'll also notice another clue. She has a verbal tick of giving ranges, three to $4,000. That means 4,000, more likely seven. You know why? Because she doesn't want to count phantom costs in. A cruise isn't just what you paid for the room. It's the drinks, the extra food, the excursions, the flight, the hotels, all of it. Add 50% to the sticker price to be conservative. That's exactly what I add whenever I stay at a hotel or whenever I look at buying a house. So there are a lot of clues in that short exercise that really reveal a lifetime of attitudes and behaviors that Sarah has bought into. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet. And it collects information. It has sensors 
The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook, and let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams, so my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts, unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash that's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. You mentioned that um, there are two issues that you have with money. One is impulsive mm-hmm. spending and two is the stories you tell yourself. Yeah. What are the stories you tell yourself about this spending? That it's all my fault. Yeah? What yeah. is that story? Well, it's just, oh, if I hadn't... And this we do. Um, <clears throat> it is I put a lot of, I guess, guilt and stuff on myself for seeing the credit card bill and saying like, oh, we shouldn't have done X or we shouldn't go on trips or we shouldn't do these things. And then I think about the way I grew up and I was like, well, screw that because I want my kids to have a different life. We didn't do trips. We didn't do fun things. I want, I don't want my kids to feel like that they, we can't go buy clothes because we don't have any money. And so I just ignore it. And um, because I just want something different. Something different about what? Than what I had growing up. How long ago was it that you felt that way when you talk about growing up? What year was this? Um, I mean, really, between like, gosh. What I can remember, like, it was pretty much my whole life. Hmm. And that feeling is what? That we don't have enough. I can't have X. What are the feelings that you're trying to escape from? I think they are embarrassment. Hmm. Um, confusion, frustration, mm-hmm. and sadness. Mm-hmm. 
There's a lot of sadness about money. And have you also spoken to therapists? Um, some. Some. I actually have, um, am starting therapy back again. Good. How do you believe that you stack up to other people in terms of your income and your expenses? Um, I think income wise, we're pretty comparatively comparative. Yeah. What would you um, call yourselves? I don't understand the question. Are you wealthy? Middle class. Poor, class. You're middle class. In terms of income. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're we're upper 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 middle class in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. Just strictly revenue, not the way we manage. <laughs> There's an, another piece to this we haven't talked about is that Kevin has an inheritance coming in next really? this year. Mm-hmm. What? How much? It depends on the exchange rate, but yeah, it'll, it'll depend on the exchange rate. Um, but not that much. Three to three to four hundred thousand. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep it like that. All right, good. Something like that. So it's mm-hmm. a sizable amount. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I did not know that. And what's the plan with that money? Well, that's what we want to talk to you about. Like, <laughs> no, not, we're not asking you to solve our, our lives problems in a, in a two-hour span of conversation or what, or however long we'll discuss. But, but at least is is addressing these behaviors that we have yeah. so that we don't swallow. Yeah. It, to your point, using the word velocity yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Is we don't continue this velocity in which is going to eat away while we come in. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great concern because you Mm -hmm. actually know exactly what will happen right now. Cause just Mm -hmm. six months ago, you had the exact same amount and it's essentially gone. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to make that mistake again. All right, let's go through the full conscious spending plan and evaluate it. Who put this conscious spending plan together? We did it together. Good. How was that process? Um, I think because we both were like, we sat down and like, we're looking at the numbers. It was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a civil conversation. That's good. Let me recap their numbers here for you. Okay. Because something is missing. Their total net worth is $150,000. They have a hundred K in assets They've got two cars, a Ford Expedition and a Tesla. They've got $137,000 in investments, $93,000 in savings, $179,000 of debt, 30K of which is student loans, over 50K of which is credit cards, and about 100K left on the car loans. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the income. I found this one very interesting. All right. So, Sarah, what's your gross annual income annual income mm-hmm. i think last year i will bring in just under a hundred thousand just under means what just tell me a number sorry um i don't know that's great 70 i'll say 95 Ninety-five thousand. okay uh-huh. and kevin what about you uh this past year 214 what well mine was i'm contracted okay i'm a contractor too so it's like where my income is coming in so that monthly number is current uh three months ago it was at i don't know eleven thousand. what because i lost a large contract okay so you but collectively, the two of you are making about $309,000 a year. This Is that last fair to say? Year. Yeah, this last okay. year. Okay. And this year, what will you make? I don't really know. Ballpark. If I hit all my goals? No, because you're probably not going to. Most people uh, don't. Um, mm, probably the same. 
I'd like to be, I'd like for it to be higher, but probably the same. That would be 95,000. There must be something else going on here. There's just so much squirming in Sarah's answers. I ask how much she spent on the cruise. She gives me a range. I ask how much Kevin's going to inherit. She gives me a range. By the way, three hundred dollars to $400,000 is her range. I ask how much she's going to make this year. She gives me a hypothetical. This is a great example of what I mean when I say to live a rich life, you have to be honest with yourself and honest with the people around you. You have to learn how to pick numbers that make planning easy. You can get them wrong. That's okay. You can correct them later, but you have to have a logic for picking some numbers instead of letting them simply hang out in the air and never making a decision at all. What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two? Bilingual. And what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. Listen, imagine you're going to Mexico or Italy or Thailand this year. Wouldn't it be amazing to at least ask where the bathroom is in the local language or to say thank you when you're walking out of a restaurant? This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited-time deal for IWT listeners to help you get started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for IWT listeners at babbel.com slash Ramit. Get 55% off babbel.com slash Ramit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ramit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, here's the scenario. You go to In-N-Out. You get the meal. The whole thing costs $7. Next month you go... Same meal, same food, same taste, 14 bucks. What the hell? Then the next time, three weeks later, it's 20 bucks, then 50 bucks, then $475. You go, what planet am I on right now? That's what it's like to pay a percentage of your portfolio to a financial advisor. That 1% fee that so many of your parents are paying and don't even know it sounds like just a little bit, but it's 1% of your portfolio compounded every single year. If you're looking for a financial advisor, there's a better way. It's called a flat fee. Let me tell you how it works. Now, Facet is a service that offers affordable, accessible financial planning through a flat fee membership. With a fee-based advisor like Facet, your fee remains the same as your investments grow. So you make more and you keep more. Facet is giving my listeners an exclusive offer. They're going to waive that $250 enrollment fee for new annual members And they'll give you $500 into your brokerage account when you invest $5,000 in the first 90 days. If you are looking for a financial advisor, you want to get a second set of eyes on your finances, I would recommend facet.com slash Ramit. Again, facet.com slash Ramit. Sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth, Inc. Facet is an SEC-registered investment advisor headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. This is not an offer to sell securities or investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. Terms and conditions apply. So this year, last year you made 309. This year you're both going to make 309. Fair? Fair. Does it make it difficult to plan when you don't know what the numbers are going to be? Yes. Yes. Has that been an issue for the two of you? Yes. Yes. All right. Do you want me to give you a little solution for that? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. Because I hear couples, they agonize over this shit and it drives me insane listening to you. Like right now, just listening to the two of you, my fists are curling up. I go, look, I don't need the exact number. I just need some oh, fucking right. number that you yeah. both feel confident about. And that's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. It's yeah. actually psychologically very difficult when you're a contractor or you have different yeah. clients. I get it. Okay. What we want to do is we want to pick a number that we are absolutely certain that we can get. Okay. That's the number we're going to work off. That's our baseline. So if you get a bonus at the end of the year, don't include it. Just the number that you know you're going to get. If you have 10 clients and you think three might churn, hell, give yourself a little room to, you have five clients now instead of 10. That's your number. But it's a number that you know for a fact you're 99% confident you can get, 95% confident. And then you work off that number. And anything that comes on top, any annual bonus, et cetera, that's icing on the cake. And we will create a separate thing on what to do with that money. Okay. All right. Because otherwise you're just going to drive yourself insane. 
Yeah. That's right, what we're so, doing. So yeah, and it's honestly, it's like we just got to pick a number that we know yeah. we can get and let's work with that. The rest of it's icing. So what's yeah. the number? Right now you told me 309,000 this year. That seems a bit optimistic. I think 95 is right for mine. Okay. Kevin? Um, I'll be conservative and say 190. 190. Okay. I just want to point something out. This is really funny. So how long have you has this been driving you crazy? This like we're not sure about how much we're going to make. Um Probably the last three years for me. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Do you know that the difference between the two numbers we picked is literally $24,000? That's nothing in the grand scheme of how much you make. $24,000, that number, that's the difference between 309, 285. That is the number that has been stopping you from just saying, ah, oh, this is our certain number. The lesson here is to stop letting tiny barriers get in the way of your rich life. It's like two parents saying, gosh, we really should get a car seat for our baby. But first, we need to make sure we have the right baby food. And also, what if we get the wrong fabric on the baby seat? And also, we need to talk to grandpa about babysitting. But first, we really need to baby-proof the bathroom. It's like, just go buy the baby seat. Go get the best one. Go get the fifth best one. Get all of them. It does not matter. So many people waste their lives letting these $3 questions get in the way of the actual point of money. And even if you get it wrong, so what? You can fix it next year. You can fix it tomorrow. But at least make a decision. One of the worst things that I hear when I speak to couples is indecisiveness. And it's indecisive from everything like a $5 purchase, you know, or all the way up to what should we do with $5 million that's sitting in our checking account. Building the skill and the habit of being decisive is one of the single best things that you can possibly do for your rich life. Okay, so can I just say you two make a lot of money? You guys make $300,000 a year. So what's really going on here? It's not an income problem. Mm -hmm. You ever see those people on TikTok? They're always like wearing these horrible ties. I'm like, first of all, get a new fucking tie. <laughs> Second of all, who taught you how to tie that tie? And I'm not even the best tie tier, but I'm like, that looks like shit. And these guys are always saying the same thing. Uh, there's a hedonic treadmill in the United States. And if you make more money, people always spend more money. I go, shut the fuck up. But the problem is you're actually doing that. Mm -hmm. you, you're the example they're talking about on TikTok. <laughs> you made more money and then you started spending more money. Yeah. You're violating my own rules. Okay, so look, can we fix this, please? Because it makes me look bad. If somebody goes out in the public, they go, Ramit Sethi's readers, they are on the hedonic treadmill. I go, ah. <laughs> so tell me this. What do you need to do? Well, I think uh, pay off the debt. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the double digits uh, credit cards is going to kill us, so there's no... <laughs> There's no uh, no ways around it, and so um, the the first thought is to uh, eliminate the the credit card debt. Okay. What's the savings? Yeah. Okay, that's a possibility. Let's let's just stay at the high level. So, one thing you both know that you want to do is pay off the credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Okay, let's not even get into the how, but yes, I totally agree. That's a really important thing to do. Are there any other things that are really important for the two of you to start doing? Saving for the girls' school next year. What? Yep. How much? What? Where'd that come from? We haven't talked about that at all. No. So they they're in private school, and so we have to switch their school. It's for all three. It's about without financial aid, it's about fifty five thousand a year. What the fuck? Where did the, how are these secret expenses coming up right now? Fifty five thousand. What else? Um, this next year, I think that's it. That's all. I mean, the yeah, school. You, don't the, you have I to mean, make a donation to these private schools too? No. Okay, she's like no. shrugging. Eh, all right. Okay, so fifty five. Where's that money coming from, by the way? So this was our first year, and we used some of the house, the money that we when we sold the house, we used it to pay it. Um, for the first year. Mm -hmm. And where's it going to come from next year and the year after and after that? Great question. Okay. That's 
we're asking ourselves that same question. This is absolutely blowing my mind right now. They signed up for a $55,000 a year private school without being able to pay for it. I don't even buy lunch without knowing how to pay for it. They committed to 10 plus years of $55,000 a year, and they can only afford one year of it. You know, there's this idea floating around the financial world that people who make a lot of money always spend it. Like there's so many Americans making multiple six figures and just living paycheck to paycheck. I don't really love that concept because I know a lot of people making 100K, 250K, 500K who are extremely disciplined about money. But Kevin and Sarah are doing exactly what all those people talk about. They have a high income and they are spending every last cent and more. And worst of all, their attitudes towards money will likely keep them broke for the rest of their lives. The private school is difficult because it's just something that both Sarah and I agreed on very early on. Mm -hmm. um, the school system that we're in currently uh, isn't bad, but we have recognized that uh, our children um, do better in smaller settings than than larger settings. So the before this prior year, uh, we're able to manage it throughout our budget. Um, and um it was manageable we only had two children going there it was doable mm -hmm. yeah this this year um we it was it was an increase significant. um significant increase plus an additional child mm -hmm. and so hence the the big jump so how do you think you can handle it Yeah. Um, make more money. Make more money is the only answer. What do you think of that answer? I want it to not be the only answer. Okay. But it's the only one that I can come up with. Okay. Or, yeah. Do you believe yourself when you say that? I think yes, but I think it's because we've been so in the weeds, mm -hmm. like you were saying, that we can't be thoughtful and creative about options if it really was that important to us. And and making changes, making significant changes, if that is what is important to us. Yeah. Um, and but now we're switching our mindsets about some yeah. of this stuff. Well, that's so. Good. I I don't like this line of thinking for several reasons. Okay. First of all, how much do you need to make to pay for the kids' school? Fifty-five thousand. Nope. What about taxes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So 75, 80, 85,000, whatever the number is, mm -hmm. you're already making a lot. So you're at a high marginal tax rate. And we, you know, we don't need to calculate that right now, but it's more than 55,000, mm -hmm. like a considerable amount more than 55,000. That's number one lack of thought into this. Number two, I don't like buying something. And then saying, we'll figure out how to pay for it later. That is a terrible decision to make. You know, haven't we all heard people say, like, don't go into debt for a wedding? We've all heard people say that, right? Yeah. Did you guys go into yeah. debt for a wedding? Uh, not really. Okay. No. Isn't this basically the same thing? We're going to commit to $55,000 a year, but we don't actually know how we're going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just for one year, is it? No. How many more years is it for? Well, 12 at least. Yeah. It's over half a million dollars. If it is truly critical to you, then maybe we can find a way to make it work. It's possible. If you tell me that, we can look through your numbers and maybe we can find a way to make it work. But I can tell you that it would involve you radically changing the way you live. 
Have you both entertained the idea of potentially not doing this private school? Um, the only other option that I would entertain is homeschooling. That's it? Yep. I'm not putting my kids in public school. That's a conversation that we really have to get into and and make that decision. I mean, and make the decision mm-hmm. and make it together and... Um, and I mean, and I, but I think we need to kind of live in both scenario, like in the scenario of what that feels like of, of like cutting back the things. I mean, I think we need to do that anyways, regardless of the school piece. But, um, if we, if we take that out, what does that look like? And if we keep that in, how does that feel? Um, and I think we need to live in that and and have that because we've never really done that. We've never really had the conversations and sat down together and said, okay, are we going out to eat this week? Are we, uh, we haven't ever really felt that pain. Yeah. And I think we need to decide if it, I think we need to feel it to decide if it's worth it. Let me summarize. Kevin and Sarah make over $300,000 per year. They sold their house. They paid off $130,000 of credit card debt. Yet six months later, they were back in $50,000 of credit card debt. They recently committed to 12 years of private school at $55,000 a year, but they have no idea how they're going to pay for it. I truly hope you're getting a chance to watch their facial expressions on the YouTube version of this podcast, because the rest of our conversation is surprising and eye-opening, and you can hear the rest of it next week on the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast. I will see you then. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.